Hey folks, this is Adam Mock from Major Watcher Podcast with a quick call to action in case you guys ever want to drop us a line, get a hold of us, and just become friends. We'd love to have you. So our email is feedback at majorwatcherpodcast.com. Easy as that. Our Twitter is Watch, Just as easy. I'm at ad underscore mock. Mel's at spoopity boop. S-P-O-O-P-I-T-Y-B-O-O-P. On Instagram, Podcast. Mel is Mel dot O H H dot dramatic. So Mel O dramatic. And I'm mock underscore Adam. We also have a TikTok channel called Major Watch a Podcast. And we also have a YouTube channel called Major Watch a Podcast. It's easy as that. So drop us a line, give us a request, talk to us. We'd love to hear from our fans, and we really love you guys. You've been wonderful. And we can't wait to hear from you. So until then, I've been Adam Mock, and we're going to start the show. I'm Adam Mock, a 40-something-year-old film critic, and it's my birthday, so I got to pick the movie this time. (laughs) I'm Melanie Weir, a 27-year-old writer, and it is also Sam's birthday, like really, really close to Adam's, and Adam chose her favorite movie. So, hello, I'm Sam. (laughs) She'll be joining us for our birthday episode. Joy birthdays. You may remember Sam from such episodes as uh, it was the birdcage. Williams, the birdcage. Yeah, I, I had to look it up last night. <laughs> I was like, "Gay Nathan Lane, Robin Williams, the birdcage." Yeah. So I guess we're about to make you watch a podcast. Welcome back to Made You Watch a Podcast, and today on the show, we are celebrating my birthday similarly to how we celebrated Mel's by picking one of my favorite movies. She did The Little Mermaid. Which for, was my childhood favorite. Yep. And this was my childhood favorite. It's 1988's Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And the reason I picked this movie was because when I was a kid, I was constantly drawing. I just drew 24-7. And... I didn't know that you could blend film and animation, and it kind of sparked a love for filmmaking when I saw this, and it kind of sent me to film school. <laughs> so this movie this movie kind of helped me evolve and learn more about cinema and things while still just cracking me up at every turn because it was like literally all my childhood heroes in one place. There were a lot of, and I, I was seeing when... I saw like the when he suddenly walked into the bar with all the tune characters. I was like, "Oh, this was like, this was like it. This is what all the execs are trying to recreate now with all this metaverse stuff. This yeah. is what they wish they could do." <laughs> so, when did you see this, Sam? How old were you? Uh, I would say like eleven, twelve years old. Is okay. the first time I saw this. Yeah, I was nine because I saw it in theaters with my father at the local theater, like a few blocks down. And I remember my dad used to love leaving places early. Like, we were beating traffic. We were walking home. I don't know why we had to, we were to beat traffic. And he's like, all right, movie's ending, and it's the part at the very end where all the tunes come out. And I'm like, it's, no, 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 this <laughs> this is it for me. I, this is my, like, Graceland. Yeah, so he just left. He started walking out, and I'm like, I'm holding his arm like, we're not leaving until credits roll. And I, I stood in the back of the theater watching this thing just in awe. So... Let's take a quick break. We'll play the trailer and we'll get back to it. This is the tale of an up-and-coming movie star named Roger Rabbit and a down-and-out private detective named Eddie Valiant. Ooga booga! Every moment they were together, 
was a new adventure in trouble. Hide me, Eddie. It's a motion picture about friendship. Please, Eddie, don't show me out. You're making a big mistake. Love. Compassion. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? Murder. Marvin Acme. The rabbit cacked him last night. Remember, you never saw me. Sex. I'd do anything for my husband, Mr. Valiant. Anything. And violence. <laughs> Tombs gets him every time. You wouldn't have any idea where the rabbit might be? Got a thing for rabbits, huh? The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. It's a comedy a little different from all the rest. I'm a pig! I'm a tomb. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. But tell me, Eddie. Is that a rabbit in your pocket, or you're just happy to see me? Touchstone Pictures and Steven Spielberg present a Robert Zemeckis film. We tunes may act idiotic, but we're not stupid. Who framed Roger Rabbit? All right, so Mel, what did you think of this movie? Oh, this was great. This was just tip to tail, rail to rail. Awesome. I can't believe you've never seen this. I know. It's, I, I just feel like when I was watching Disney movies, it, you know, wasn't really appropriate. And then I don't think my parents were ever really into this. So it's just not something that I was shown. Yeah. And now here we are. I mean, it is a little risque. I mean, Jessica Rabbit is basically a Tex Avery cartoon, like, <laughs> personified. There's a lot of jokes there. He's, like, half naked in some of the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, what made you love this so much, Sam? I just, I've always loved cartoons and just especially the first time watching this movie, I was like, this is the world I want to live in. (laughs) Like, like the real world, but like zany cartoon logic can pop its head in and like the cartoons being like actual characters who are actors and not just the product of someone's drawing, but like have their own day to day and like baby Herman, his whole (laughs) shtick of like, he's a 50 year old man trapped in a baby's body. Just the whole shebang. I was like, this, (laughs) this is it. This is peak world building for me. That's pretty much my feelings on this. And this was based on a book called um, Who Censored Roger Rabbit? And it's very different. I'm actually halfway through it at the moment. I've been reading it. You had never read it before. I never read it. I found a copy of it on Amazon and said, screw it, I need something to read. And it's actually their comic strip characters. And they're flat. When they talk, they don't make noise, but thought bubbles come out (laughs) that they have to get rid of like garbage. So everything, like basically everywhere, when, anytime they talk or think they're leaving trash around or it floats away into the sky and they make doppelgangers of themselves and they're the, they're like stuntmen that they can create so that they don't get hurt doing, um, like getting a piano dropped on their head or something. Jeez. And what they would do is since they were flat and they just, like, they would just stand still on a set and they would shoot panels for comic strips. And that's how this movie worked. And Roger Rabbit actually dies, and his doppelganger is trying to solve the crime with Eddie Valiant. Oh. It's it's totally different, but just as interesting in a very, like, strange way. But um, this movie... look, like, partially drawn? No, no. It was... Um, huh. It was... Uh, I forget the guy's name who wrote it. Uh, something Wolf was... Uh, Gary K. Wolf wrote it. And he wrote, like, three or four of them. 
there's quite a few books based on it. Um, but I mean, getting into the movie, it basically starts off with a cartoon with, and they made a bunch of these. I remember, uh, they start with a baby Herman Roger rabbit cartoon and it's your typical, you know, um, the rabbit is in charge of making sure the baby doesn't get killed and the baby's just constantly getting in trouble. It's like that climbing on dangerous items and poisonous rat tablets. Yeah. I mean, it's a trope from like all the old cartoons. Um, They do it with like a little cat being protected by a dog or, you know, uh, buttons and Mindy on Animaniacs. That was the gag of that, of that show. Um, So they're just doing a Roger Rabbit cartoon and it's completely awesome. Like that, that is one of the coolest cartoons I've seen, and they keep that camera moving. There's, like, no static shots of anything. The room scale changes so many <laughs> times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they, like I said, they made four of these. I think they would put them ahead of Disney films. Like, um, when I went to see, what was it, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, there was one in front of that. Hmm. Um, I think it was the nurse one where he, he's in the hospital. Is it called, like, Tummy Trouble or something? So, like, I know there's a nurse one, there's a camping one, camping and one. then there's one where he's, like, on a roller coaster and amusement park or yep. something. Yep, See, she knows. <laughs> so they tried to do preset, like, the way they did with Finding Nemo, but less duplicitous. <laughs> kind of, I guess. Yeah, I think, like, they tried. I mean, I wasn't obviously there when they were rolling that out. I saw them oh, after yeah. the fact. Like, as, as a, you can watch it on Disney Plus, I think. Yeah, yeah. you typed in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the little shorts hmm. um, show up along with that, but... Yeah, I guess they would put them before their movies to advertise yeah. this one coming out, like a year in advance or something. Something like that, yeah. Or they would just they would put them just before the movie, so they would. It was like going to an old movie theater. <laughs> they throw on a newsreel on there, you're all set. And this movie takes place in 1947 um, during kind of the uh, the golden the silver age of cinema. Sorry, yeah, I couldn't think of the timeline. And it starts off with the cartoon, and then it gets surreal because. Suddenly, Roger gets a um, a refrigerator dropped on his head, and they open the door, and all the food suddenly looks almost plastic mm-hmm. and fake, and Roger has little Tweety Birds floating around his head, and they go, cut, 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 and you realize you're on a set. And then Baby Hyman starts <laughs> talking like this, and he's like, ah, I'm not doing this again, he runs off. How many times are we going to do this scene? I'll be in my trailer. 23. Jeff, drop it on my head one more time, Raul. I, <laughs> I can take it. And he's, he's like, I know you can take it. I don't, I don't think the French can take it. Um, and he can't get the line right, and the line is basically, he has stars around his head, not tweeting birds. And they think that he's distracted because he thinks his wife, Jessica Rabbit, who you don't get to see until about the quarterway point in this movie, is cheating on him or playing patty cake with somebody else, which is really hysterical. The patty cake thing was so, so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in this movie is is just so paid attention to because it, you think it's going to be dirty and then it's so it's the polar opposite. <laughs> But they play it so they play it like such a great film noir, and I think that's one of the reasons I love it so much. Is the it, it it's not slapped together. If there's a Chekhov's gun, it pays off, and especially in the Acme Factory, they 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 show the entire ending of the movie in that opening scene where they're just doing the investigation of oh. Marvin Acme, and I never noticed it before. But like everything pays off in this film, and. You don't catch everything on the first try. You have to watch it a few times. Oh, yeah. So um, what's the next part? They Oh, so Eddie Valiant is drinking on set, and he just kind of is watching the, ma- the manic shit that's going on. He just goes, 
Toons. He takes a swig of his uh, wild turkey and puts it in his gun holster. <laughs> I love that. He doesn't carry a gun. He carries a wild turkey bottle. Um, and he's being hired by um, R.K. Maroon, who is the head of the Maroon Cartoon Studio. He, uh, he wants to – Eddie Valiant is a detective. He want, played by Bob Hoskins. And he wants him to get pictures of uh, Roger's wife fooling around on him. So they send him, he's like, it'll cost you a hundred bucks. And he gives him 50 and he gets, it ain't easy work. (laughs) And what, and I, the, what did you think of when Dumbo showed up there, Mel? That was just, that was like a little jump scare that he did. And I literally, I was like, did Disney make this? I, or did they just buy it? Everybody made this. It was, it was pretty cool. Cause I was reading in the um, trivia, they Warner brothers wanted all the, all the characters that they were going to use to look like they did in 1947. Mm. So that's why Daffy Duck looks a little weird. His beak's a little longer and his top feathers are kind of um, longer and his feet are kind of fat and chunky. I didn't really notice. <laughs> yeah. I'm not used to seeing Daffy Duck that much. Look at it. And, and they were fighting with Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers says, no, you're going to use the old school versions. And Disney's like, why don't you just use the new ones? It'll look better. And they're like, because that's not what they look like. And they were right, and they used they tried both ways, and they ended up going with Warner Brothers' suggestion. And that's why Bugs Bunny looks a little different; like his face is a little more rounded off. Uh, they used the old school, and I I thought that was a kind of a cool touch. I think that's a that's a good idea. I feel like it almost makes the. I mean, I wish they'd also done it with Mickey almost, but it almost makes the movie more timeless. Yeah, but I think Mickey was always that they always looked good. I mean, Mickey it went from like more distinctive also. Yeah, it goes from Steamboat Willie Mickey to like a Christmas Carol really Mickey. Quickly. Yeah, like immediately. You know, I mean, they 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 pretty much cleaned him up and Donald all of them. They're shiny as a dime. <laughs> then because that was Disney. Disney was just attention to detail where Warner Brothers, they could play with their characters more. They did a lot more slapstick than, mm. you know, unless you were in a Goofy or a Donald cartoon. It was mostly or Pluto. It was their, they're really kind of their side characters. Like Mickey never really got into all that weird stuff. The decision makes sense though, because if they're the type of company that's always changing up their characters, even making it look like their modern one would have dated the movie and it would have dated the movie weirder Mm -hmm. because it would have been like, this is set in the forties, but it's like an eighties. It looks like Space Jam all of a sudden. And they do look different now. (laughs) Oh, they look totally different. Uh, Where were we? Okay, so Archie Maroon hires him. Dumbo shows up and he works for Peanuts. Oh, (laughs) Dumbo, they got you again. (laughs) And... They said that the next shot where Eddie Valiant is coming through the lot was one of the hardest shots to do because there's so many characters in it. Like when the Pelican's on the bicycle and it falls, they couldn't get the bike to go straight. So when it fell, they said, just animate the Pelican falling off the bike. (laughs) Then they had to do like all those sight gags with the Fantasia characters in the background. It's absolutely when the guy's playing saxophone and you see like the, the brooms. There was way less plot to this movie than I expected for the length because so much of the movie was them doing sight gags. But I think that's the genius of this movie. I think it is too. Because I watched this for the first time with closed captioning. I missed a lot of lines that give away plot points hmm. that are literally throwaway lines. Like Judge Doom says something at one point and he, he, he says something about a freeway or 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 um, a road or something. Someone's and I'm like, oh shit! Like that 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 was the whole that was the whole purpose of this movie. They just told me, hmm. and but you're so busy going back and forth. So now you have Eddie Valiant having to go and uh, go to the Ink and Paint Club, 
which is a club for humans only, but it can be, but it's run by cartoons. And it's kind of all cartoons that aren't really working at the time. You know, like Betty Boop is there. And that's the original voice of Betty Boop. Oh, she was so cute. You, you've seen Christmas Vacation? Uh, yeah. She's the the old aunt. Say the blessing. Oh, yes, she is. That's <laughs> Betty. That was the original Betty Boop. Wow. She was also olive oil. In wow. the old, uh, so like they they got her, I guess, right like before she passed away. And when she was watching Jessica Rabbit's set, <laughs> I was like, "Is she jealous or is she into her?" And by the end, I was like, "Oh, she's into her." It's like it's like respect. <laughs> she respect, just... lust. I don't know. Betty Boop's eyes may just look like that. <laughs> I love when she slaps Eddie Valiant's chin yep. back. Like she goes, <laughs> and you just hear it click. Yeah, buddy, we all know. <laughs> and you have the penguins all walking around. Um, serving drinks from, um, what movie was that? Mary Poppins. And he goes, get me a whiskey. No, uh, whiskey on the rocks. And I mean ice. And he goes back, there's rocks in his glass. Uh, um, and then you get to meet uh, Marvin Acme, played by Stubby K. Uh, he's like an old comedic actor. He's been in a few musicals and things. And he's like the guy who supplies all the props for all the cartoons. And because if it's Acme, it's a gasser. That's their <laughs> motto. And he's just always playing jokes. And he sprays Eddie Valiant with invisible uh, ink, but it's invisible uh, disappearing disappearing ink, and then it's reappearing ink later on. <laughs> so it's like this guy's just a mad genius, and he owns Toontown. So if um, uh, you know, he he's just he is in love with tunes. They're like he's just like a champion of them. Hey, how do you own a town? How does that work? How do the economics of owning a town work? Like, how is the deed? Is there a deed to the town? I, well, it worked in Schitt's Creek. That <laughs> yeah, was the premise of Schitt's Creek, so I guess, what yeah. I was thinking about tying this to. Also, in Schitt's Creek, how did they buy a whole town? I, I'm sure it's just land ownership. And then you can just build a town there. and It can huh. be done. I mean, why not? All right. <laughs> why okay. couldn't you own no, a town? No, sure. Um, so, um. Before we get into any more, is there any Sam? You, since you're you, you've been very quiet, <laughs> I feel bad. I'm, I'm like taking no, over no, the no. show because I just um, there's so much to talk about with this movie. There really is. Is there anything that you want to bring up that just sparks something or like something that you just always remember when you watch this film? Um, I always just love like Roger. It's just like all the tunes seem to be like more presented, like when they're doing their thing offset. But he's just always at eleven. Mm -hmm. Like he's always like he's that guy who's just like ready to go. Like I'm on, I'm ready, let's perform. Yeah. Um, and as the movie goes on, it's like interesting that that's like it seems that that's why Jessica's into him because he's the most cartoon of all the tunes. She made so it's almost yeah. It's like she made it. Like yes, yeah, what's the line? That, uh, he makes me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just like Jesus. <laughs> he's like, why? He makes me laugh. <laughs> just like okay. I mean, really, if you look at their society, that's clearly what they value yeah. most highly. So, like, is Roger Rabbit a Chad in Tune World? <laughs> he might be. A ch what's a Chad again? You know, like a big beefy guy. Sometimes it means big dummy or jerk but it's just a big beefy like a trophy guy yeah uh, yes exactly. well i think that's the whole thing like the funniest cartoon is the like the best one rather rather than looks it's can you make me laugh they don't even yeah. say chad in the tune world they say roger because that's what they mean or goofy because like when at the end that's she's like you're better than goofy <laughs> that's my favorite <laughs> 
<laughs> Not to jump too far ahead, but she's like, you're better than Goofy. <laughs> really? Better that mean, than Goofy? That means that Goofy has a reputation. Well, because Roger was fawning all over when they were hiding in the movie theater. Oh, yeah. And he's like, no one takes a wallop like Goofy. Oh, also, that Goofy did not look like Goofy. What sports that Goofy? looked like Max. That was a, there was a string of Goofy cartoons. They're on Disney Plus. They are the funniest thing Disney's ever made. They're called, there's all sports Goofy. He did oh, I gymnastics, those. track and field. The best is the, is the skiing one that they always show with Mickey's Christmas Carol. They showed <laughs> us the football one a lot, one on cartoon. Yeah, and it's all narrated, and, they, and all the characters look like Goofy. So there's like 50 Goofies running around. <laughs> Gosh. But I, uh, yeah, so when, when she says that to him, that is absolutely, like, adorable. <laughs> um, and it's funny because you don't see Jessica Rabbit really get emotional until she's around Roger at the end. Mm-hmm. It's that one moment where she hits him in the head and throws him in the trunk, and she goes, I put him in the trunk so he wouldn't get hurt. <laughs> that literally, that sold me on them as a couple. It's yeah. like, oh, she knows that he is too stupid for his own good. And it's tune rules. So it's it's, it's fine to hit him on the head. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, well, that wouldn't hurt. Like, that would be fine. Yeah. If Michael Scott were a cartoon, Holly would do that to him all the time. <laughs> but I just, I love that. And when she screams, it's dip. Her face completely <laughs> turns into someone else. And I... I love her. Des- she was designed after like 10 different people. Uh, they they took a bunch of old Hollywood starlets and Tex Avery cartoons. And Tex Avery was one of my favorite directors. He, like all the eyeballs bugging out of your head, the auga, and like the hot girls singing and the wolf kind of just how, basically everything you saw in the movie The Mask, Mm-hmm. Which, if you've ever seen The Mask. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, just making sure. At the check. I love The Mask. <laughs> that was like that whole scene with, with um, what's her face? Uh, Cameron Diaz, and he's just turned into, that's all Tex Avery. And they nail it at the Ink and Paint Club. That That is really well done. Um, they basically had a singer for Kathleen Turner come in. And she, I think she was might have also been the body double for Jessica. And that was, so she's going all over that club, interacting with, like, people's ties, their hats are moving. That is one of the most impressive parts of this movie is how they integrated all that. It's true, because I wasn't even thinking about it when I was watching it, which means they did a really good job. (laughs) The way, like, the way they did the penguins holding the trays. There were people under the stage with pipes just doing this, just moving their little hands with, and, and they just, they would take each frame. Any frame that a, a cartoon is in, they had to make a photocopy of it and then animate each frame. Wow. So they would take Bob Hoskins holding on to this pipe that's going to spit water because he's got Roger in the sink. So they have the handcuffs on something that's making the handcuffs float. And then he has the pipe. He pulls it up. It spits water and he pushes it back down. They had to take every frame of that and animate over anything they didn't want. Wow. That's how they did this. It was over like a million cells of animation. That is in this was the most expensive movie at the t- at, in the, of the 80s. I think it was 70 million dollars. Which for the eight, for 88 that's unheard of. Um and it was just a, it's an insane undertaking. Robert Zemeckis, uh the guy who gave us Back to the Future directed it. I was going to say that name. Yeah. <laughs> now that it, it there's a man if you watch Back to the Future, there's a man who knows attention to detail. 
I mean, anything in that movie, he pays off. And I think that's what made him such a great choice for this was because, like I said, every sight gag pays off. Every line pays off. And that you don't see anymore in movies. Like, And there's a lot. There's, I mean, there's a ton to unpack in this. And do you know who was originally supposed to play Eddie Valley and it wasn't Bob Hoskins? I think I do. Was it Harrison Ford? No. Oh, shit. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. That would have made sense. Harrison Ford would have been out of left field. He screamed when he found out he didn't get the role. Basically what happened was Amblin, I think, was fighting for him to get the role. Because Amblin Entertainment, Steven Spielberg's company, was running it. And um, he he was signed on as a producer. Movie went nowhere. They just kept calling it like the rabbit movie or whatever. And he's looking in the paper one day and he goes, I just screamed at the top of my lungs. I saw someone got that Bob Hoskins got the role over me. He goes, I would have loved playing that role. Of course he would have. <laughs> how, how different would that would have been though? Honestly, I don't know if it would have worked the Bill same. Bill Murray's too cartoonish. That's what I mean. It would have worked in the end scenes mm-hmm. where where Eddie really has to just go to But that's why toony. it was great because you didn't expect it from Eddie. But what's funny is Eddie Valiant in the book is more similar to um, Bill Murray. Mm. He's kind of better looking. He's taller, a little better looking. And baffled by people who think Bill Murray is good looking. His casting as a lead man always kind of, I always thought but it was an a, a Roger an 80, thing. Like, he's funny. An 80s Bill Murray. I mean, he didn't look bad in, in um, what's that movie? Uh, Groundhog Day. He's like the least cute Ghostbuster. <laughs> well, <laughs> wow, you're putting him over, you're putting him over uh, Ray Stance, huh? Ray's adorable! Egon? Ray is so cute. Oh, Egon can get it. <laughs> Adam knows about my crush on Egon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I had a friend who had a crush on Jeff Goldblum in high school. I can understand that. Jeff Goldblum is it, bisexual vibes. It totally reminded me of your Egon uh, love. I love Egon. Just a cute, stressed, <laughs> tall science guy wearing glasses. And he yet- loves logic as much as he loves... He still smart. has the best part in, in Ghostbusters 2, which I know people don't love this movie, but the best I line do. is, you know, we, we sing to it, talk to it, say uh, complimentary things oh to my it. God. You haven't had sex with it, have you, Ray? And they look at Egon, they Egon look- just goes, Egon, you dirty dog, you. Because <laughs> he definitely did. He had sex with the slime. <laughs> look, by definition, Egon is a scientifically curious man. What else does that mean? He's definitely kinky as hell. <laughs> Oh, I those lo- two things go hand in hand, I assure you. <laughs> That's one of those lines no one ever quotes in that movie. I think it's the funniest thing in that Because how film. do you quote that? It's a look they give to each other. I love that Egon, scene. Egon, you dirty dog. I also love Ghostbusters 2. If you're out there and you hate Ghostbusters 2, we can fight. I, I like it up to the painting. The painting, I love the painting. takes me it's out so of it. stupid. It takes me so out of it. It's like a portrait of Dorian Gray, but it's like an angry Viking. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean the painting at the end when it turns into the Ghostbusters. Oh, no. I think that's just funny. I was always like, oh, no, don't do that. Like, you you almost had, you almost stuck the landing on that one. <laughs> no, I love that ending. I think it's great. I still want to know how to put the Statue of Liberty back. They had to walk yeah, that thing right? back. I think I've asked that question before. I'm like, okay, so is Libby just sitting in the middle of Manhattan now? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> with her fist through, with her torch through a, a museum. Oh, yeah. That's just what New York looks like. <laughs> So, um, Bob Hoskins, uh, Eddie Valiant is at the Inca Paint Club. He 
notices after he gets totally seduced by Jessica Rabbit, as everybody does. Just loses his mouth. He really. um he gets thrown out because he's looking through Jessica Rabbit's peephole of her dressing room Which? because Art uh, because Marvin Acme had just gone in there because he's the one who's supposedly having the patty cake affair. Yes. So um and keyholes are just wide large peepholes in this universe yeah, oh right. my god you can really get a, a feel for a room just pressing your eye against a keyhole in this <laughs> know, universe right? just it's... hope nobody on the other side sees your eyeball yeah. which is a totally cartoon thing so i kind of i kind of love it oh yeah uh, we were going through this movie not criticizing just discussing the logic behind the physics of this universe yeah it's it's like how do the we the weasels actually died when they laughed too hard we have to get into that yeah, later. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have logistical questions. Or do they just turn into cartoon ghosts? That's what I assumed. I'm like, okay, so now they're at a new phase of life where they don't care about money and they're dead, and they're going to be poltergeists. <laughs> We're that's getting what, ahead of I, ourselves. I, I will save it because I have questions Oh, I concerns always... about that part. <laughs> well, there's a deleted scene that I saw the other day that kind of messed me up where someone, I don't know if it was the weasels or somebody... They throw something at Eddie Valiant. It's the weasels. They throw of like a painted head. It's a pig head because he's a cop. Yeah, and that's why he's shirtless in that one. Uh, when he's coming out of the bathroom and he's holding his pants yeah. up, and you just see the toilet flush. <laughs> Originally, he got a cartoon pig's head on his head, and he's using um, acetone to get it off, a turpentine. Mm-hmm. And you see him in the shower, the silhouette. And he's like got this giant head, and all of a sudden the head starts shrinking, and then he gets out of the shower. Oh, and. I was like, so did he kill a tune? And he just did it with turpentine, not turpentine, acid, and benzene, which is the dip. I'm curious if that, <laughs> I'm assuming that's why they cut that scene. I always thought because that too. That would raise the question of, well, if he's able to do that, then like, where's the line drawn between a living tune and just a drawing? Yeah. How come just a turpentine works and like dip has to be used on all the other tunes? Like it opens up too many, <laughs> too many too questions. Many questions. <laughs> but then you have a scene where he's just walking around shirtless and it's like, okay, Bob. I also, I just figured he got home to take a I, dump. I, 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 did, I never questioned it until you were like, why does he have a tie on and not a shirt? That, like, was, okay, yeah. that part without the context is weird. I was like, <laughs> why are you getting dressed in that order, sir? You weirdo. <laughs> Do you just walk around shirtless with a tie in your apartment? Is that how you like it? <laughs> so, also, what's up? Also, I had a, along that physics logic line, when Jessica Rabbit, when all of the men were lusting over her, it yeah. occurred to me that they were lusting over what was hypothetically under her dress. But w- what is there? What is there? It's it's like Schrodinger's titties. If they didn't draw it, are they, are they there? That's a good question. Does Jessica Rabbit have an anatomy... Or is it like you just under the dress, there's a void? But I think that's the gag with the patty cake. Yes. Is some guys just get off on it. I think that's just, it's just a fetish. Like like Marvin Acme fetishizes Jessica Rabbit. And that's, I guess, Jessica Rabbit is as a drawing a fetishization of like womanhood. I I mean, it's more than that. She's kind of like an exaggerated, but it would be easy to fetishize such an exaggerated version of womanhood. They told Bob Hoskins, he asked, what does she look like? Because they didn't draw her until the movie was completed. They didn't have a full design. And they said, just imagine your perfect woman. And he goes, it wasn't half as risque as what they came up with. (laughs) (laughs) And he also said that his son wouldn't talk to him for two weeks after the movie came out. Because he didn't introduce him to Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. Oh, oh no, baby. No. And the way he... You went to the Muppet movie without me? <laughs> and and the other one that was really adorable was his daughter 
used to have imaginary friends, and he would watch her play with them oh. in order to learn how to act off of nothing. That's cute. That's yeah, like really Bob cute. Hoskins was kind of a cool dude. <laughs> I thought those were, those are like the cutest stories I've ever heard, you know? And it, I mean, that's got to be weird when you're a little kid and you see your dad up on screen with like Bugs Bunny. You're like, how did you, Hello? Do, how did you do that? I would have been so, I, I'm with the kid. I would have been pissed. Yeah, I would have been, been, been like, I, <laughs> did you not want to bring me to set? <laughs> I would have liked to see him. Yeah, right. So Marvin Acme is in the room with Jessica and the big gorilla guy comes up and he. Nice monkey suit. He, he goes, <laughs> what does he say to him? He goes, um. What are you doing, chump? He goes, what are you calling a chump, chimp? And the gorilla throws him out the door into the garbage. And what was the password? Walt something? Walt sent me. Yeah, Walt sent me. Which is brilliant to get into the ink and paint club. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, so he hears the two of them talking in the dressing room window, and he sneaks up, and he starts taking pictures. And you don't know what he's taking pictures of. And all of a sudden, like, he's, he's just looking in like, my God! Like, ew! You like, kind of hear in the background. She's like, "All right, but no, take the buzzer off." This the hand buzzer, like moaning, and it's then like, they start oh, doing patty, patty cake. cake. <laughs> oh, oh, patty cake, Mister Acme! I've got everything set up over here on the bed. He was so creepy. <laughs> He's wearing that big ugly plaid suit. It was oh, weird. God. It was all really weird. Um, so he takes the pictures over to um. R.K. Maroon and Roger's there crying. He's like, not my Jessica. Please, not my Jessica. Somebody must have made her do it. (laughs) No, she wouldn't play patty cake. And he's flipping through the pictures, and it's literally the two of them playing a game of patty cake. Yep. And it's animated as Roger's flipping the pictures. It's such a great touch. And they give Roger a drink. And he, he turns into a steam whistle. He turns at Chekhov's gun number one. <laughs> turns into a goddamn steam whistle that comes in handy later. And I love that scene. Um, I think so, you want a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that's the other thing about Eddie Valiant. He's a raging alcoholic. Oh, yeah. Literally, anytime there is booze in the room, he wipes his mouth. You watch him. He looks at the bar across the street from his apartment, wipes his mouth. He goes into R.K. Maroon's place, wipes his mouth, makes himself a drink. Mm. It's such a great tell. And I love it. You never see him eat food once in this movie. He is on a liquid diet, that man. It was, like, brutal. Ah, what happened? So Roger jumps out the window, leaves a little silhouette in in the, uh, which was impressive. that they got the blinds and the window. The blinds and the glass of a perfect silhouette of Roger Rabbit. And he's sitting outside of Acme's... um, factory which is straight across from maroon cartoons and he's just crying his eyes out he's like please don't let any of this be through and he's he's like completely distraught next morning you find out marvin acme got a safe dropped on his head in his factory and he's he's demised and this is the scene i was saying is every payoff in the movie because the cops are going through all of the different like doodads and props and things and there's like a mallet that when you hold it out For some reason, a punching glove comes out of it. Um, There's holes that you can throw on the wall and, like, disappear through. The cops are playing with the holes at the beginning. (laughs) They're like, hey, look at this with my hand. Oh, it's hysterical. They're not going to abuse that power. And they find paint on the rope um, of the uh, drop safe. And they're like, what's that? He goes, paint from the rabbit's glove. And they're just, they have to match it up with Roger, but they can't find him because he's on the run now. Mm -hmm. And the, all of a sudden, the doors burst open. And you find out there is this judge in town who, his name is Judge Doom, played by Christopher Lloyd. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, why is there a judge at this investigation? 
Why is he involved? Why is he dressed like that? Is he Claude Frollo? What's well, going on? He, he bought up a bunch of politicians, and he, they said he threw a bunch, of, a, million, a bunch of millions of simoleons around town and bought the election. I see. So he's basically running this town. He's just kind of like... So he is Frollo. Frollo? From the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. I had to think about that he's one a for judge, a Which is a joke because he's actually supposed to be a priest. Yeah. Well, they all were, weren't they? Back then. <laughs> Um, so he's like, he shows up and these little weasels get out. They're all dressed kind of one. Two of them are in zoot suits. Two of them are dressed like pimps. One is in a straight jacket. One is dressed like he just got back from a, a drug vacation. And the other one is dressed like, uh, he's got the little pinwheel on his head. He's like, <laughs> just like a, a child, just yeah. a full on child from the 60s. Originally, this was supposed to be seven of them. And they, all, and their names were like, I think the, the one in pink was smart ass and he was supposed mm-hmm. to be doc. And then uh, each one had a, there was like crazy and loony and zeny and they all had names like that. And there was also supposed to be, the judge had his own jurors who were all kangaroos, kangaroo court. Oh my God. Oh, and they said there was too many characters to animate. So they, they whittled it cooks. down to five. Too many cooks. And they just made, so this judge has a hit squad of weasels who just laugh at everything. And he's always like, you got to stop laughing. Or I'm going to do to you what I did to the hyenas. No, he goes, you're going to die laughing like your idiot hyena cousins. Because <laughs> yeah. they all died laughing, which, again, comes in handy later. And it's genius. I love everything pays off in this movie. So they open up the back of the car and they're like, there's this big oil drum. And they don't know what it is. And he's like, this guy is looking to find any tune who breaks the law and he's going to execute them. With this stuff called the dip. And it's turpentine, acetone, benzene. And it's like warmed up, basically paint thinner. Yep. And he picks up... The, this is this this almost ruined my childhood. <laughs> this the shoes, oh. which had a match, by the way. They put all the shoes away. Oh, I mean, the one pair... The, the Nazi boots were a bit much. Did you see the jack boots that were like literally no. goose <laughs> I was like, wow, it was a whole, it was a crate of of shoes and they're all running around and they have to catch them and put them back in and one gets away and it's kind of like a little puppy, like rubbing up on judge doom's leg and he puts on a rubber glove and he goes, he just picks it up and dips it in the, and you watch this thing die slowly, like you see his eyes, like the light going out and the smoke comes up and he just comes out and the shoe is red and it just looks like he has blood all over his glove. And he's like, if I find the rabbit, this will be his fate. And you're just like, okay, here's our villain. Which I, and Christopher Lloyd is awesome in this. He's. It took me a while to realize it was Christopher Lloyd. I didn't, when I first saw it, I had no clue. I, got, I only got, because he looks like Slugworth. I only got it from the voice. <laughs> Slugworth, that's true. Yeah, he's got like the, the black circular glasses, the black hat, big tr- dustered trench coat, and, and a skull um, walking stick which is a great touch. And so now Eddie goes back to his place, and um, we didn't talk about Dolores. Dolores. Uh, Joanna Cassidy plays her. She's kind of Eddie's ex-girlfriend who... I don't know what they are. It doesn't seem like they're officially exes or were ever officially anything. I think they dated, and then when his brother Teddy died, they he became a drunk and they broke up. Mm -hmm. And so she just deals with him. Because they went to Catalina together. They had all the pictures of them on vacation. Yeah, and he goes, we should do that again sometime. And she's like, yeah. It just sounds like he kind of drifted away. Yeah, he just became a drunk. Because yeah. his brother, him. you find out that his brother Teddy and him were, 
His dad was a clown in the circus. Yes, they were clown. They were all clowns together. His dad was a clown, and then they like went on the road with him in that one picture. And, and then they the become two cops. Clowns, they're clowning around and in the NYPD in Toontown. <laughs> no, it would be LAPD. The LAPD, yeah. Um, and then uh, you see a picture of them starting their business, and it's it says. I think two drunks and a floozy, and because she's in the two flat two foots and a floozy start a bar. <laughs> and, yeah, because there's a bar across the street. Because there's a thing called the red car, which is basically the trolley car that gets you through anywhere in L.A. And I literally said at the beginning, and I was like, L.A. apparently has really good public transit, and yet everyone takes the highway. And Sam was like, "That's what this movie's about." And I was yeah. like, "It's what?" <laughs> yeah, no, that well, that's yeah. I mean, we can jump into it. We're we're pretty far into the movie. The whole the whole thing is. They want to build Judge Doom wants to build a freeway. And that's the premise. It's it's super simple. And they're buying everything up, including Toontown, which Marvin Acme owns. At the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, okay, so the cartoons are black people. Because what they actually did was build highways through, you know, the ghetto. Quote, oh, I'm doing air. Pretty much. Can't see them. <laughs> I mean, the same with, with the the Ink and Paint Club. That's how the cotton club used to be run. Oh. It was black black yes, run, was. black performers, but whites only. And that's why they did it the way they did. They were they were kind of showing them as second class citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just here for our, our entertainment. They're, you know, they're lesser than us. And a lot of way that they were viewed was like similar. Like it's like, oh, they you know they cause trouble. They're too loud. They're yeah. too vibrant. They're they're too full of. They they got too much stuff going on. Yeah, and and I mean it is a it is a really interesting like indictment on it just is. race relations. It's like the tunes are having a better time. Yeah. Um. So Joanna Cassidy is um just trying she, he's like his girl friday whenever she he needs a camera she gets it for him need a place to hide roger we'll, we'll hide him here and she's you know going different places to get information for him she's kind of got it more together than he does and she runs the bar across the street yes. and she's just sick of dealing with eddie's bullshit over the years um so he goes back to his apartment, which is just a hellhole. Before hole. getting into that, her yeah. delivery of revealing how his brother was killed oh is my the God. best oh performance my, oh. in this entire movie. Oh, the one Mel, where... if you would like to. Why does he like that? Why is he like that? And she just goes, his brother was killed by a tune. Dropped a piano on his head. Just, oh. just <laughs> the most tragic straight man delivery I could have possibly desired. <laughs> she was so solemn. And it's exactly what you expected to hear. So it's hilarious. Well, that's that again, the beauty of this film is they use the world so perfectly. And it's like, yeah, I could see that happening in this world. Like, why wouldn't a toon villain just like off some dude? That probably would happen. He dropped a piano on his head. Yeah. Now you're racist against tunes. <laughs> yeah, that's something people do. Yeah. It's not logical. You see how illogical it is when it's cartoons instead of just a profile of a human? <laughs> so you find out that Eddie and him used to love Toontown. They used to hang, uh, him and Teddy used to go there all the time, solved all these cases. They got Yosemite Sam off. Because the gun at the the yes. cartoon gun yes. at the end was given to him by Yosemite Sam. I loved that. I was like, oh, that's a sick weapon. Do the bullets come back? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Aliens. <laughs> Although it was a little racist that the Native American one destroys the whiskey bottle. Yes. <laughs> I was didn't like, come on. Like, I giant, like, uh, like tomahawk. Tomahawk. <laughs> um, like doing the like stereotypical chant. It's like, yeah. okay. Oh, Jesus, yeah. 1988, how you doing? 1988, 1944. <laughs> you're still so away from each other in some places. Um, so they, um, where were we in this? Oh, so he goes back to his apartment and... He goes to lay down in his really shitty Murphy bed. 
in the office. And, oh, yeah. oh no, 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 I'm sorry. We were talking about what happened to his brother. Oh, they yeah, were in yeah, Toontown no. uh, working a case of this guy, this really weird tune with a high pitched voice and and flaming red eyes who stole and he makes he a says zillion, a zillion simoleons, which is how much Judge Doom threw around to get the it, it's everything pays off. <laughs> Finally, I'm a Dis- something affiliated to Disney where everything pays off. I love it. Um, so as they're chasing him, they dr- he drops a piano from 15 stories, crushes his brother, and he breaks his arm. And since then, he never went to Toontown, just became a drunk, and just takes crappy cases to get by. Um, so now he's back at his place. He has a drink. He lays down. And there's a lump in his bed. And it's Roger, and they're both screaming and having this huge fight. And he's just like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Everyone knows if 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 Toon's in trouble, you call him the Valiant and Valiant." So where is your brother? He looks like a like a sensitive and sober fellow. <laughs> Not now, buddy. <laughs> and I love when Roger goes to sit in his chair, and he goes, "Get out of that chair!" Sit there. He goes, "That's my brother's chair." And Roger takes his hand off, and there's dust prints. From that's how long that chair has been sitting there. And it's like every little attention to detail. Like they interact with the world so well. And that whole scene is just Roger tearing that place apart. And that must have been a nightmare to set up. Like that whole thing must have been so insane. And then suddenly the weasels show up and they're like, we know you got the rabbit. Where is he? And the head weasel actually smart ass was Squiggy from Lenny and Squiggy. I don't know if you guys remember uh, Laverne and Shirley. I also, mostly know him because there's an episode of The Simpsons where Squiggy just shows up. <laughs> or if you ever saw the cartoon Oswald about the little octopus. Yeah. He oh. was the penguin. Oh, shit. Oh. Fred Savage was Oswald. He played the penguin. He passed That's... away a few, a couple of years ago. Oh. Recently, yeah. And I'm and I never really noticed that was him before. And I that he has that voice. And I'm like, how have I never put this together that that was Squiggy? <laughs> um, so... They're looking for the rabbit. He's hiding him in the sink, and he's just like, because Roger stupidly handcuffed him to uh, Eddie, and he's just like think, thinking it would be funny. He's like, I don't got keys for these cuffs, which doesn't make sense because I think universal handcuffs keys are pretty universal. So that line <laughs> makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, so now they, you know, they dupe them. They make them think that the rabbit's not there, and they get out, and he goes across the street, got Roger stuffed in his coat, and it's the cutest line from Dolores because Roger's kicking. Like, Will you stop kicking me? And he's like trying to sneak him past all these drunk idiots so he doesn't get caught. And, and Dolores walks up to him. He pushes Roger down. And all of a sudden, the bottom of his coat shoots up. And she goes, so is that a rabbit in your pocket? He's just happy to see me. <laughs> he's like, just get in the back, Dolores. And it turns out the place was a speakeasy back in the, uh, during Prohibition. And so, like, you can open up the uh, the back door moves. You have a little peephole that's actually uh, an electrical outlet. Uh, it's pretty cool. And they figure Roger and them can hide out there for a couple days. Mm. Only they leave Roger. Roger there. is allergic to silence. <laughs> well, he tells him, he goes, why don't you do me a favor? Go check probate. And he goes, my Uncle Thumper had a problem with his probate. Had to take these big pills and drink lots of water. Not prostate, you idiot. Probate. He's like, oh. <laughs> never got that joke as a kid. Oh God! I get it. Being a forty-three-year-old man, I get that joke now. <laughs> but uh, it's I, they um, they leave him in there and they tell him don't go anywhere because he has to go out and like um, who does he go to visit? I'm trying to remember. He leaves Roger. She goes to probate, 
and he goes across. I think does he go across the street to visit Jessica, uh, and Jessica visits him. That is what ha- I forget. That why is what happens, though. I forget. He why says he, he has said- to go back to his office to get something. That's yeah. right. And he and Jessica's. He comes. That's the scene where he comes out of the bathroom yeah. wearing no shirt and a tie, <laughs> which is like you said, absolutely insanity. Um, and Jessica's just there being Jessica as hell. And she's kind of, she's just being seductive and saying, you know, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn this way. Which I've seen a gift on Tumblr many, many times. <laughs> it was like one of the top 100 lines of all time or something on some list. <laughs> um, and what's her name? Dolores walks in. He's trying to get her off of him. And he's got her by the arms and his pants fall down. And Dolores walks in. She's just like. I caught you with your pants down, Eddie. <laughs> what is he? She said, um, dabbling in watercolors there, Eddie. Yes. <laughs> That's a great line. And she just walks out and she run, uh, he's, she's like, my offer stands firm if you want to help me out. And he's just like, yeah, okay. And she kisses him and a little fluttery Butterfly lip hits him lips. on the cheek. And um, Dolores is pissed. They go downstairs and she's telling him that I just went to probate and they're standing in front of a car. And I love that you see Jessica Rabbit's head pop mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Like she's, she's listening to the whole conversation. They have no clue. And then they start hearing the song, the merry-go-round broke down and they're like, Oh no, Roger got out and he's doing an entire comedy bit, like breaking plates and singing. And everybody in the bar loves it. And then he gets stuck. I love when he gets stuck on the loop with the plates and he goes, <laughs> I love to break the plates. Believe me, it's no strain. And he just hits him something. He goes, and there's no pain, no pain, no pain. Because the, the thing starts skipping and he's just like, get in the back. And he takes him. He throws Roger in the back. He's like, that guy, Vic, out, Vince out there would rat you out for a nickel. He goes, oh, no, he wouldn't rat me out. And it's the asshole I made guy. Him laugh. He's the jerk guy from me. He's just like, you don't understand. Laughter's a powerful weapon. And he keeps saying it. Laughter is the most powerful thing we got. Because if you don't have laughter, what do you have? Mm. He's like, it can overcome anything. And it does. It kind of saves everyone's life at the end is, is laughter. It saves his life in the next scene because who shows up but Doc, uh, Dr. Doom, whatever the uh, hell his Judge, Judge Doom. Judge Doom. <laughs> Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom is a different guy. <laughs> That's a dude from Fantastic Four. Judge Doom shows up and he's asking around after the rabbit. And he's like, this merry-go-round. Awfully jaunty pick for this crowd. And he smells the record. He's like, he's here. He's here. He throws but it. But before he goes to like search for ra- like Roger and the Walms, you think that one guy's going to rat on him. He's like, I seen a rabbit. He's right here. And he puts his arm around nothing. Oh, wait. There's a movie called Harvey where a guy, it's um, it's an old, uh, hey, Matt, what are you, what are you what are, John, uh, John, John, Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Where he thinks he has an imaginary friend who's a six foot tall rabbit oh, named Harvey. It's a great movie. You ever get a chance? It's it's absolutely it's it's heartbreaking, but it's kind of adorable. The guy he's he's just has mental problems. He thinks he has a or he's a drunk. I'm not sure. One of the two. I haven't seen it. Is in he years. schizophrenic or a drunk or is it? A little I don't above? remember. I haven't seen it in so many years, and I I wouldn't want to get the the plot wrong. But that was the gag. Was he goes. Say hello, Harvey. And Judge Doom's like, <laughs> from a bunch of drunken reprobates. And he goes, well, no no tune can re- can get away from the old shave and a haircut trick. So he takes his cane, he starts banging on everything, going, shave and a haircut. And the next line is two bits. And tunes have to, it's like an obsessive, com- it's an obsessive compulsive with tunes. They have to complete it. And he keeps doing it. And he's just like, Eddie Valiant's looking through the people. He's like, this guy must be crazier than you. And, he, and you see Roger just like, <laughs> he's like like fiending to just say it. And he he gets his wrist um, 
Eddie Valiant gets his coat caught on the uh, the people, and he can't stop Roger. And Roger busts through the wall, and he just goes two bits, and yep. Judge just grabs him. Go get the dip, and they bring a giant barrel and dip into this bar and make all these drunks just watch an execution it's yeah it's twisted man it's a little, it's a little it uh up. and so eddie comes over and he's like dolores give me a drink make it a double she's like you really think this is a good time for a drink want some and pretzels with that too <laughs> that was the line see that's why i like having you around you remember the lines i don't and uh so there, there's roger and he's just like i don't want the drink have the drink. I don't want the drink. I don't drink. want the drink. You don't. I, I do. do. You don't. I do. If I say I want the drink, I want the drink. And he throws it in his mouth and reverse psychology. Goes into his little crazy whistle thing and blows out the bar. They knock Judge Doom back. Eddie catches him just before he falls in the dip. And it's fun because literally the only advantage that Eddie has in this situation is that he knows it's coming. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. He, like, he still is as affected by the whistle as everyone else. It blows steam everywhere. Oh, yeah. He just set off a grenade and said, here's hoping. Yeah. <laughs> so he grabs Roger. He kicks a couple of the weasels out of the way and they run. They hide in. Um... No, no. They go outside and they go to steal the judge's van that had the dip in it. And Benny the cab is in the back. And he's like, hey, let me out of here. I need to make money. And it's this cartoon cab who I used to have on a keychain. I used to love that thing. And my keychain broke. Um, and he just is this New York style yellow cab who's just like, yeah, they pulled me over for riding on the sidewalk. It was a two blocks. <laughs> it was only a couple of miles. <laughs> and he tells them to get in the car and they take off like bats out of hell. And there's this great chase sequence of a cartoon car and real cars. And the way they did that was they had a literal scooter that Bob Hoskins is driving that they used it. Zemeckis used it in Back to the Future 3. Whenever they had to chase Marty on the side of the train, he was using that the, the oh Benny the Cab scooter because oh it would go God. so fast. Oh my God. How badass is that? And they're, they're, I mean, they are tearing up the town. And I love the one part where he's just like, oh, my God. He's like, there's cops over there, and there's cops behind. The weasels are behind. The cops are in front of him. What do we do? He goes, pull the lever. Which lever? And all of a sudden, a little thing comes out and points at this lever, stupid. <laughs> so they pull it. He elevates with these little, like, lifts that he has on his and tires. And I was laughing because there are literally modern, like, future city design, like, engineer designs of buses doing oh, this yeah. now. Oh, yeah. I've seen those. It's awesome. It's where awesome they got the idea from. I <laughs> and I love that they're going down the street and they're coming up to an overpass. And he goes, hey, Roger, what's the middle of a song? And he goes, I don't know, a bridge? Ah! <laughs> and he pulls the lever. They jump the bridge and they get away. And he goes, I got a place you can hide. And if you ever need me, just stick out your thumb. Pays off later. <laughs> Swear to God, I love this movie. So they, um, they're hiding in a movie theater. That's when they watch the Goofy cartoon. And he's like you must really hate me. You know, he's like, he's like, you're always yanking my ears and, and I'm sorry. My, I messed up your life because I'm so all oh, the times <laughs> you yanked my ears. One of my favorite lines in this movie is that, because I used to say that to my brother all the time. Oh my he God. was like, I'm like, you're always yanking my ears. And he's like, I'm sorry. I yanked your ears. I'm like all the times you yanked my ears. <laughs> yes. All the times I yanked my ears. <laughs> I, it's so cute. And then Dolores comes in and she finds out all this information, basically like, Judge Doom um, got into with this thing called Cloverleaf Industries, 
Cloverleaf. He's the, he's the sole shareholder. He's the sole shareholder. And Cloverleafs are those kind of cloverleaf-shaped highways you see in California. Oh. That's why it's called Cloverleaf Industries. Everything pays <laughs> off in this damn movie. I love it. Uh, this movie's so excellent. So um, R.K. Maroon sold his part of the company because they want to put a freeway through there. He sold it for 3.5 mil or something like that. And Marvin Acme wouldn't sell because he knew they would put the highway through Toontown and, and get rid of all the tunes. And he loved the tunes too much. So that's why Marvin Acme gets killed and they put it all together, but they need the will. And when he was taking pictures of him and Jessica playing patty cake, the wills in his pocket mm-hmm. and he finds it. Cause he drops his whiskey glass on a picture. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I'm being a drunk. It's so bad. Glass. <laughs> so now they, um, now they, they're, uh, this is where Jessica, where were we now? He has to go. Have we gotten to where he goes into Toontown yet? No, he's going to visit Marvin uh, R.K. Maroon. Yes, they go. He, he takes Roger with him. He goes, "Stay in the car, Roger." He goes, "If anything happens, beep the horn twice. You're my backup." And he's like, "Beep the horn twice. I'm your backup." And he, all of a sudden, a pan comes out, hits him in the head. You don't know who it is. And then the next shot is Roger getting thrown into a trunk of a car. Jessica. Jessica and I were on the same page there because as he left Roger alone, I was like, "This is a recipe." For disaster, you moron. And it turns out Jessica was on top of it. Yeah. She's like, no. <laughs> I know my husband. <laughs> you don't know him like I know. Just, just this will be easier. <laughs> yeah. So she um so he goes up, visits RK uh Marvin Acme, and he's in he I don't know how he got into the film room that he has that weird dividing wall. It's like a hidden wall. I'm trying to remember. Do they show that to you earlier? He went in the back. They do show yeah. it earlier because they were editing when he walked in. Yeah. And but yeah, I don't know how he then knew yeah, how I know. to get through the little like secret entrance. So Eddie sneaks up on him and he, he's just like, you're going to tell me what's going on. He puts his tie into a film editor and he just turns it on. He's just like, I didn't want to see the tunes get killed. And he's just like, what do you mean tunes get killed? He goes, I didn't want to see them all go away. And this, uh, he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, the stubborn bastard wouldn't sell. He's like, Marvin Acme. He goes, yeah, he owns Toontown. Then you find out the whole plot and you see this joker gun come through the window with like a three foot barrel on it get shot uh they shoot marvin acme i keep calling him marvin acme rk maroon i'm wearing the t-shirt for god's sakes i am wearing a a rk maroon t-shirt i I do it's a very satisfying uh design i had to get it in white it was just like it's such a bright thing it's i love this shirt i'll put pictures on instagram (laughs) i already took pictures of it um so eddie's running outside Roger's not in the car. He's like, oh, no, they took Roger. And Jessica Rabbit comes out. She's like, no, I put him in my trunk so he wouldn't get hurt. And he's just like, okay, well, where is he now? And he's gone. They oh, don't, no. They don't know where he is. Now where, now, where was Roger? Did he get taken by Judge Doom and the Weasels? I think so. Oh, we just watched it. I know. I'm trying <laughs> to remember this, this part because the ending goes by fast. It really does, and there's so much like cartoon stuff going on that it's hard to. Yes, keep track I of the think plot. he does because he puts his. Th- he's like, she's like, we need to go to Toontown. No, this is when they're in Toontown. Yes. Yes, he goes to Toontown after he gets shot at, and Jessica was already in Toontown. That's where he finds her. I don't know why I thought he was in the park. She was in the parking lot. She's she's not. Yeah, because he, he sees her. He sees her run off and thinks he she shot. Um, Arky Maroon, and that she then kidnapped Roger. Yeah. Um. So he follows her to Toontown, thinks he sees her silhouette. Yeah. 
it's it, not. And it's the tunnel from Back to the Future 2 where he's chasing Biff in, in on the hoverboard. Yes, it is. I knew that looked familiar. Yeah, it's the same. And that's the that leads into Toontown. And there's no road past Toontown. So this is just like a dead end. You end up in cartoon-like heaven. <laughs> and it's where all the toons live. So he's he's he hasn't been there since his brother's death. He pulls out the Yosemite Sam gun. He's like, we're doing this old school. Pours out his booze. And he just looks at the bullets, and the bullets are all cowboys and Indians. He just goes, and Native Americans. And he goes, feeling frisky tonight, fellas? They're like, yeah, get in. And he just, like, blows up the bottle, drives in, and then he crashes. And he's just like, what the hell? And all of a sudden, it's smile, darn you, smile. I love that song. What I loved is the crash wasn't even his fault. Like, he just drove into a pile of he, he me junk. He went from, like this picturesque like old school Mary Melodies cartoon into like dirty city. It's, it just it's suddenly the cartoon switches. that they drew of New York in in Oliver and Company. Yes. Yeah. yeah, seriously. And it's great. And then he gets out of the car and he sees a silhouette of Jessica Rabbit in a window. He's like, there she is. So he gets in the elevator, and it's it's a droopy dog. He's like, okay, sir, what floor, sir? Droopy dog was killing me. <laughs> I love Droopy. He's the best. And he's, like, wailing on this elevator, and Eddie Valiant is turned into a cartoon at this point. Like, as they're going up really fast, he's mushed into the floor. He just gets repeatedly pancaked. It's pretty, it, again, rules that are not talked about is how what happens to humans there like if yeah, he like, fell all the way would he die because the tunes remain their tune selves in the human world obviously or yeah. they like wouldn't be able to do their thing but then it appears also that the logic is if a human enters the tune world tune logic to also some applies extent to yeah. applies to them but i don't know if it's just a thing because like it, it it seemed like when he was falling to his death, like, because the piano dropped on his brother's head, he really died. Yeah. So is it just a matter of, like, what Roger said, like, only, it only applies if it's funny? Like, oh. him getting pancaked and going to the top of the elevator, that's funny. He so wouldn't he have died anyway. Too. If you're going to splat to your death, that's not funny. Like, did Bugs Bunny and, and Mickey Mouse send Eddie Valiant <laughs> yeah. to his, and Tweety Bird send Eddie Valiant to his did death? Did they know he would die? Or were they, I think, like, no, too I think actually they intervened by giving him the spare tire anyway, because they, they were like, actually, this makes it funny, which means he can't uh, die. The cartoon logic is going to save him. Either way, well, shit. I, the cartoon logic will I save him. I absolutely love the toontown scene like yeah. i wanted more of that mm -hmm. and it doesn't last that long it's it's only he goes up in the elevator and there's the elevator gag going up and down and he's getting slammed eddie valiant is not in the best shape i'm amazed he's still alive like able to walk after all the abuse droopy puts him through he's just like your floor here <laughs> and he again looks into a peephole and he sees the the um the silhouette of jessica changing that shot of him opening the door from far away, that's really, he's like backlit. That is a really cool shot. And then all of a sudden, it's not her. It's Lena Hyena. And it took me years to figure out that was her name. Because she goes, it's me, Lena Hyena. And she's like the wolf version of um, a Tex Avery cartoon of just like, a man. And she looks like a really trashed out, like junky version of like if they did a cartoon of Meredith from the office. <laughs> yes. A little bit mixed with, um, what's her name from the rescuers, the, uh, the bad guy from the rescue, the bad, oh, the bad yes, woman from the yes. rescuers. Medusa. What, what is her lady? Not Med I don't, is it Medusa? No, I don't remember. it sounds like Something Medusa, like but it's not, but that's who she reminded me of. And she's just this like 
she is thirsty for, <laughs> for any, any man. And she's just like kissing him and throwing him around. And he's trying to run away, jumps out of a window and he falls and he lands and he grabs a thing and it's Tweety Bird. And he goes, Hey, Tweety, how you doing? He reckon, she, he's like, Oh, this little pity went to market. This little pity stayed home. And he does the whole thing. Uh oh, ran out of pities. Meets Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny on the way down skydiving. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure he was safe from the moment he saw Tweety and he knew it because Tweety was doing the funny thing. Yeah, but but is it that they just don't even comprehend that he's a human? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like they don't get it and they're like, oh my God, we could have killed this guy. <laughs> and as he's falling, Mickey Mouse is like, hi, Eddie. He's just like, hey, hi, Mickey. Hi, Bugs. He's like, so what's up, Doc? You ain't falling kind of fast there. He's like, yeah, I could really use a parachute. You got a spare? Yeah, he wouldn't want it. And he goes, yeah, you might want to give it to him, Bugs. And it's a spare tire. <laughs> and I love how Mickey <laughs> is just, he's not being a little shit, but he's also happy to be in the audience. Yeah. Mickey Mouse is complacent. He He's a conscientious observer of the whole situation. <laughs> which is really... It's kind really, of, really funny. It's kind of funny because he never is that. You know, he's always like the the he's Mickey the straight man used the most. The, the company time. is yeah, and, which is the amusing part. And I love how he has a normal parachute and Bugs Bunny's like sitting on like a trapeze on the way down. He is. He's just, he's just like ain't I a stinker? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and they, like I said, they had the new Mickey with the old Bugs. It was really. It was. I liked it. It was I, good. I thought it was cool. Um. So Mina, uh, Lena Hyena catches Eddie at just before he hits the ground, and he pushes her off, and he's running, tears the street, um, the line on the road off, and pushes it towards a wall, and she runs right into the wall. The funniest shot is her boobs. They're literally going this way. She, she hits the wall flat, and her boobs are just triangles on either side of her. <laughs> and I remember being a little kid and thinking this is the funniest thing I've ever I'm, I'm nine years old, just cackling at that image because i'm like that is that's goddamn fucking hilarious and eddie and eddie's just like works every time because he knows toon time he was raised by a clown and you forget that he is a tune i never even really thought about it till this watching that he would that's why he knows how to do all the backflips and clowns are human cartoons yeah and and i that is such a great touch that explains why this out of shape drunk can do all this funny stuff and still be as gruff as he is. It's a really well-written character. Um, so he meets up with Jessica and he's, and she's just like, so I don't even know. She just comes out of nowhere. She, she kind of just shows up and it's just like, yeah, Roger's gone. Yeah. She's like, I, 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 I don't really remember how the hell they got Roger out. And that's the, her. I put him in the trunk line yeah. so he wouldn't get hurt. And he goes, she goes, she shoots a shadow. Because he's running and he's in oh, the shadow. Oh, yes. They're in the alley they're and the she alley. has a gun to his head. And she goes, valiant. And then he turns around and there's Judge Doom behind him with a gun. She shoots Judge Doom. Judge Doom runs like, that is the weirdest run. He's like, his knees are out. He's like, I'll get you all, Gadget. It's like the, the strangest thing you've ever seen. Um, and then they don't have a car because Roger, I think Roger steals her car. Yeah. And no, steals Eddie's car. Her car got crashed. And or no, vice versa. Yeah. So now she's um she's like, so quick, we'll go this way to Gingerbread Lane. He goes, Gingerbread Lane's this way, and he puts his thumb out. Benny shows up just as the weasels are showing up. <laughs> He's like, everybody get in, Mademoiselle. Puts it. He kind of like his door turns into like an arm and brings her <laughs> into the car, and they take off. 
And then the weasels are hiding on the outside of Toontown's tunnel with a big vat of dip. Kicking into the road. Poor Benny the Cab that burns has to his hurt. T- like, like how my does God. how does that heal? Do you have to like repaint your tires? Yeah, how do you heal a tune? Do you just repaint them? I don't know. What does that... a tune hospital look like? Is it just a bunch of animators? <laughs> yeah, I know. that's that's my point. I'm like, what? How does this? I've got stuck on like, do the tunes reproduce? Because we were talking about like, okay, what what if a cartoon and a human fall in love? Can you have a half cartoon, half human? Or again, is it the Schrodinger tune problem? <laughs> Are there cartoon babies or do they just draw a new cartoon? I should show you Cool World, which is the dirty version of this. Oof. It's awful. It's not Brad Pitt is in it. Uh, Kim Basinger is in it. Oof. It's pretty bad. It's You've seen it? I Years I ago saw it and in, I have no desire to watch it. I saw it, it in theaters. <laughs> paid money to see it. I paid money to. And I, I liked it when it. I was a kid because I was a child. And everything was bright and colorful. And then I got older and went, holy crap, even Brad Pitt's bad in this movie. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they were really just trying to go off of the, the popularity of this movie. Oh, yeah. And they wanted it to be way more dirty. And man, did they. <laughs> so, um, and the whole point of that movie is if you have sex with a tune, you either become a cartoon. I think you become a cartoon yeah. and a tune becomes real. It's so stupid. You switch, they switch. No, no, the tunes become real. I'm sorry. If you have sex with a tune, the tune becomes real. Oh, it's that's so, like the opposite of what I would want. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. But you do get to see a, a Brad Pitt cartoon at the end, which is really strange. <laughs> He's got big, like, Annie eyeballs. What if that were how it worked in Enchanted? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so now, um, where are we in this? Uh, poor Benny just got oh, fucking Benny dipped. got wrecked. He He wipes out... Jessica goes out of the car and skids on her butt like a stone. That looked like cartoon or not. That looked rough. Yeah. And then Eddie just kind of does like a roll and Benny is dying. He's just like, they dip me. Just go ahead without me. And they're, they're like, oh, sh-. so they take off. And uh, no, I'm sorry. The weasels take them. They take them to the Acme factory. And yeah, this is where it gets like really crazy. Like this movie <laughs> just goes off the rails and I love it. So. All of a sudden, Benny's sitting there, and he's dying. He's just, like, in total pain. His teeth are messed up. I mean, he's just a wreck. Benny, he hit a pole. All of a sudden, Eddie Valiant's trashed car skids into frame with Roger behind the wheel. Love and it. she And Jessica keeps saying, yeah, my, my Roger's a terrible driver. He's a terrible driver. Oh, better drive, uh, lover than a driver, huh? She goes, you better believe it, Buster. Oh. I was like, yeah, that rabbit's lay pipe. <laughs> Whether or not Roger has an anatomy, he knows what to do with hers. He just goes, Please! And she's like, oh. oh. <laughs> if we could circle back quickly to when she said yeah. he's better than Goofy. Goofy is like one of the only cartoon characters who canonically has his own child, implying he fucked. Everyone else, if they have children, they're like a niece or nephew. Implying someone else did the dirty deed, but Goofy got down in the mud himself. Therefore, Roger also. He yeah. made a troop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so they're now at the factory. Um, Benny drive, uh, Benny, uh, jumps in the car with Roger. And he goes, move over, Roger. I'm driving. Love and it. I, I love that he turns his headlights on his eyeballs. Yep. So he's got four sets of headlights. He's like, you've done enough driving for one day. High beams. So he takes Roger to the Acme factory. He's got Eddie Valiant's real gun that he, that Eddie left in the car. And he goes, Benny, go get the cops. I'm going in the back and I'm going to save Jessica. He gets flushed down a toilet. 
So you just see him jump through a window. He says something like, of course. (laughs) He just like goes right down the toilet. I don't know how the gun went with him, but cartoon rules, I guess. Um, So the weasels are setting up this giant vat of dip. And it's it's 5,000 gallons of heated dip in a high-pressurized cannon and sprayers that will, like, take out the street. So, like, they're just going to hose Toontown off the face just, of the map. Yeah. Because at midnight, Marvin Acme's will is is nullified, and he'll own everything. What goes there when they hose it down? Is it a void? What appears? Uh, probably just, like, regular, like, land, I would guess. So is the implication... I mean, I'm sure it's, like, not Toon Earth the whole way down. Painted over I'm the get, land? That's, again... All know. right. I guess, yeah. When... But, you know, it's weird rules like that. Like, we were having this discussion with Frozen. You don't really care because the rest no. of it's so well yeah. written. I'm literally doing this for fun. Yeah. It's not a problem I'm having with the film. In Frozen, like, you literally had to go, no, I need this to happen. And it didn't because that just happened. In Frozen, on some, in Frozen 2. Frozen 2. Some Frozen 2. The, in Frozen 2, correction. some of the lore legit didn't make sense and I cared. Yeah. This one, I'm, I'm literally just extrapolating because I'm like, okay, but wait. Because it's so, ins- everything's so insane. Because it's like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. So, um, Roger, um, he, he uh, this is like the, the James Bond moment where the bad guy tells his whole plan. And he's like, I'm going to run a, a high, an eight lane highway of shimmering cement as far as the eyes can see. Who's going to do that when you can take the red car for a nickel? I bought the red car and I'm going to dismantle it. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Marty. This is like you. Look, people who made this movie didn't comprehend how evil this actually was. Well, that, this is very evil. He talks about billboards taking over the skies and gas stations and fast food re- and I restaurants. A place where people get on and off the highway. Cheap gas stations. Restaurants that serve fast food. Oh, he's just like, they're all looking at him like, this guy's crazier than he's a tune. He's giving off like evil, <laughs> evil doc. I just love it. He's like, and I thought the tunes were crazy. <laughs> and then, and just as they're about to like, you know, the evil plans just said, Roger busts out of the, like a, a drain in the floor. Not, there. He knocks that one, um, the, the kind of Latino zoot suit we- weasel, the one who's like, the one who I love checks Jessica's dress. He's like, search them for the will. And he puts his hand on the front of her dress and pulls out a, a, um, a bear trap. Say the line. Nice booby trap. <laughs> it's Sam's favorite line. <laughs> that and the other, the other weird part that has to do with boobs is when he gives Roger the drink in the bar and he grabs Dolores by her dress. Yes, yeah. He grabs her by her cleavage and yanks I her. Right, right at the man. neckline and just yank. I was like, <laughs> that man. That is an intimate gesture. You were lucky that dress was on tight. Like, <laughs> Could have been dead. Dude. <laughs> um, also, just going way back, Jessica, other than when her like leg first shows up, she just shows boob first through the curtain. Like, Love these it. dimensions are so ridiculous <laughs> that her tits are just like, all the way out before her teeny tiny little waist even shows into figure. Well, they were saying when they were designing her boob bounce, someone actually had to design it. And they said he would go opposite the way a real woman's breasts would move. I love it. Like so an if they character. went if they went down in real life, he would make them go up with that step and vice versa. And it made them look perkier. Wild. Because they were like, they, they, it they were defying gravity. They, and they, they were gravity-defying tits. I was always like, whenever she walks, I'm like, there's something weird yeah. about this, like, aside from the fact that they're huge. She almost something. heaves it's, when yeah, she walks. she's going that's like this. And that's what it is. That's and I, it I read is. it in the trivia, and I'm like, that, the, man, she's that guy had like the best bird. job. 
<laughs> he had to study. He had to stare at the way boobs bounce. I had to stare at boobs all day. He did have the best job. What the <laughs> hell? He got paid for that. I used to think we had a BS job. What are you, boob animator? I'm working on Laura Croft next. <laughs> oh, man. But um, so... Now Roger, he busts in. He's like, nobody move. I got you all covered. Meanwhile, he's got like 10 His guns. His hand up. is shaking. He is not holding that gun. And I love he like does like a, a, a gazelle jump over to Jessica. He's like, Jessica, my love. Yes, I'm here. And she's just like, oh, my hero. And she's like so into him. Meanwhile, she was so she's only goofy when he's around. Oh, yeah. And I love it. He disarms her. And it's such a cute relationship. It really is. It's it's very, it's very well written, and they have these great beats. The two of them. Um, so the weasel that's up, at, he goes, you know, Doctor Doom. And I was, I I'm doing it too. And it's because <laughs> the first time I saw this movie, I thought he called him Doctor Doom and messed up the line. Oh, but he says he says like no Doom and or something, and it was like a different line. I'm like, oh subtitles are helpful um so he's threatening him and then all of a sudden the little zoot suit guy just takes his knife he's hanging on a bag of bricks he goes um your plan's gonna fall like a ton of bricks and boom and it literally says one ton of bricks (laughs) i love it and so they tie roger up with tune escape proof rope never caught that before i never never because how could they they could have just slipped out and they tied that thing around jessica's neck yeah, yeah it's like, it, somebody somebody was was getting a little having a little too much fun. It was frisky with the rope, I think. So, um, oh, because I don't think there's any doubt that that the doc, or the, the doc, the judge has a, has a little bit of a he enjoys the act of destruction in a little too bit of a lusty way oh, every yeah. time he does it. Oh yeah, he totally does. It's so he's enjoying this. Well, he's a nihilist supreme. It's crazy. He's yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. <laughs> so now we're at the part sadism not nihilism nihilism is oh you want to watch the world burn sadism you just want to hurt people yeah i think that's it i think nihilism is not caring if the world burns oh, there you go yeah you're right he's a sadist <laughs> my bad one of the crazies but um so he's he hangs them up right in front of the brick wall that is across from is behind toontown and he's gonna drive the truck basically straight through them break the wall open and just hose it down at midnight. And that's going to be the end of all the tunes. Yeah. And Eddie's waiting there and he's just like, um, the, the weasel's supposed to kill him. I think they, they have a gun to him. And Why he's, are the weasels agreeing to be part of this? I, that I always thought was weird too. I just assumed they're being paid. Uh, but I also figure it works with the fact that you find out who judge doom is. He's right. a cartoon also. Yeah. Yes, so he true. probably like tricked them into it. Yeah. And, the um oh so Eddie has his hands up and he goes, I just want to tell you something about the guy you're about to kill, <laughs> and he slams his hand on a carnival thing on a merry-go-round and it's the merry-go-round broke down and Eddie Valiant goes into one of the best numbers I've ever seen a st- a so stout fun. little man do and suddenly you remember oh that's right he's he a, was clown. a clown he was and a clown. he's juggling um <laughs> bowling balls and dropping them on his head but he can't think of any rhymes <laughs> oh well they, but he has that one where he goes. Um, I'm bouncing off the walls. I forget how the line goes, but it, it rhymes with balls. And he's just like, I'd punch you in the, and he goes, nose, nose don't rhyme with walls. Yeah, but this does. And he kicks the weasel right in the balls and knocks him into the vat. But before that, he gets all of the, all of the weasels laughing and they all start. This is the part we were like, so do cartoons die? 
because they're laughing so hard they literally laugh themselves to death. Another payoff. I love this movie. I think <laughs> that they just become cartoon dead angels. Yeah, because you just see them go stiff. They kind of hold up a little lily, and then an angel of them comes out. And I love the little crazy one. The one is like, <laughs> and he goes past the 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 big um, valve that is using the hose for the dip. And he just decides to turn it on just for fun as he goes. And he's just like, we're gonna die. They're gonna. These two are dead. They're literally getting shot at. It's like three feet away from them, and it's and slowly is moving towards. Walking them. the air to keep Jessica safe every time, which I think is very cute. Yeah, and, and what was that? Roger, he like does the cartoon walk in the air. Oh yeah, and he's pushing her backwards. Are always to keep Jessica away from yeah. the, the 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 thing first. I love that he can do that. It's like, couldn't you just keep doing that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I imagine he only has so much energy. I guess. Roger, come on. <laughs> he is energy. Uh, so um, Eddie Valiant has like the one guy left, and it's the the one who uh, the little Latino guy who like cut the bricks down, mm-hmm. the one who checked Jessica's boobs, and he's in the driver's seat. He laughs so hard, he has a heart attack, lets his foot off the gas, uh, off the brake. This thing starts rolling towards them now, and Eddie has to fight um, Judge Doom, who slipped on a bunch of stuff, uh, slipped on a bunch of, like, golf balls or something, and he's holding his eye, and you're like, oh, he knocked his, he might have knocked his fake eyeball out. He's putting it back in. I think they are eyeballs. Yeah. Because they look, yeah, they look, I think they have, like, you can see, like, there's little a part... and pupils on them. Well, that's what gets them laughing first, is when he falls, and then yeah. Eddie's like, oh, yeah, laugh <laughs> to death. And um, so now they're, um, he's fighting Judge Doom, and they're using every trick in the book. So he's got the, the um, uh, what was it, the singing sword, because his cane turns into a sword. He pulls out a sword. It's a singing sword, and it's Frank Sinatra <laughs> singing witchcraft. <laughs> I love how they both pause for that. They both have to stop and listen to Frank Sinatra yeah. sing for a And second. it's the old Frank from the 40s that they used to use in all the cartoons, and it was always super thin with giant ears. And it was like, the, it, they used to do that all the time in the old cartoons, because he was like the it boy of the time. <laughs> and they go, Frankie. So he throws his, like, his sword away. His like eyes are always scrunched up. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, his eyes aren't that sunken in. My <laughs> it would boy. be Harry Styles. Yeah, or how would you know he's old blue eyes? <laughs> so then um, he grabs this giant uh, cartoon magnet and he starts dragging the judge with the sword pointing at his face towards him. He's like, uh-oh. So he puts it down and an oil drum gets stuck to his back. So he's now locked into an oil drum. Mm-hmm. And the judge is like, oh, good. Goes off, gets a steamroller. And he's coming at Eddie with a steamroller. The vat of of dip is about to hit Jessica and them. They're freaking out. And it's getting closer and closer to the wall. They don't know what to do. All of a sudden, Eddie's like, grabs a black, uh, one of those black hole things, throws it on the magnet, slips out. And then he grabs a, a giant thing of glue. Yep. Gets it all over the judge. The judge punches the steamroller, kicks the steamroller, is stuck to the steamroller. And when you don't realize he's a cartoon and you're like nine years old and you're watching a man scream to his demise, he gets run over and they show every second of that. They do. But the way, honestly, I was like, this is an acting test. This is an acting test. And Christopher (laughs) Lloyd did a really good job because he did enough weird wiggling and dancing that I was like, oh, this man's not dying, dying. And then all of a sudden he starts peeling. Well, he um he he turns off the valve so they're not getting sprayed anymore. He's like, "This is it, Jessica." Oh, this isn't it. Okay, <laughs> and they're hanging there. They're safe. And then all of a sudden they go, "Eddie, look!" And you start seeing this flat human being peel off the floor. It's a rubber suit. He's a cartoon. 
and he goes over. He's he's just like, ah, uh, um. He he goes over to a helium tank and starts blowing his body back up. Yep. And the eyeballs pop out, and he's just like, "Remember me, Eddie? When I killed your brother?" And he's got the red eyes that he mentioned earlier. And his eyes turn into literal daggers and shoot out of his head. He's got that little tuft of yellow hair on his head. So weird. And you never get to see what he looks like, which I love. At the end of the cartoons, are like, I wonder who he was. And I, well, well, he wasn't a little wooden boy or or um or a woodpecker. And then Sylvester just goes, or a pussy. I'm like, wow, kids cartoon. I saw all the yellow, and I was like, it's Homer Simpson. What was that? I saw all the yellow and I was like, it's Homer Simpson. <laughs> Don't. So um, he gets up and he just starts attacking him again. And he's he's just beating the hell out of Eddie. And Eddie's kind of like on his back. He's about to be, he's done for. And he grabs the mallet because this dude has a giant like buzzsaw for a handle, a cartoon buzzsaw for a hand. And he's just about to get Eddie right in the nuts. Again, his demise is that he's trying to take his time and enjoy it a little too much. Bond villain problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're too horny about it. <laughs> exactly. So Eddie grabs the mallet that has the boxing glove in it. He swings it out. It goes past the judge, hits the the big valve on the back of the dip tank, and blasts him with, like, he just floods the place. With all 5,000 gallons. So anyway, I started blasting. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the Wicked Witch of the West. I'm melting! melting and he is selling... Eddie, he is having so much fun in that scene. Oh my god. He's just it was getting lowered into this green crab. And he's just like... <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. And Eddie's just like... Oh, uh, and they're like, Eddie, we can't get down. And he's like, there's dip everywhere. And I'm like, very good that they thought of that. He turns all the whole, he turns all the fire hydrants on. Just drain that into the sewage system. That's That's not going to cause any problems. This is a hazmat spill, sir. 5,000 gallons. gallons Extreme pain thinner, essentially. (laughs) Just like in the sewage. We now know why LA is so polluted. Jeez. They're just going to dissolve it that way. Well, I mean. Thank God they were putting concrete over Toontown because it would have that soil would have been wrecked. Everything would have been destroyed. You couldn't grow anything there. That's true. That's what the gas stations will ruin too. <laughs> so, um, so they get everybody down. The uh, dip tank goes through the brick wall, opens up the uh, the Toontown. Everybody's there, and they're all just, and then all of a sudden a train comes by and wrecks that thing. There, it was still steaming. You were wondering, is there still a little bit left in that tank? Like there's like, gotta did be that train some. Get, did that train get really like melted at one point? <laughs> yeah, is there like just like a weird warp in the front of the train? <laughs> so now the um, where were we? So all the tunes come out, and a few of them are standing in the dip. Yeah, like Pinocchio does, Benny does, and I think the um, piggy was all over that. Yeah, the piggy was standing in a puddle. <laughs> and I mean, it's like every cartoon ever made, with the exception of like Tom and Jerry, Popeye, Olive Oil. There was a bunch they couldn't get that were going to be I in a big scene. I and, think, yeah, Hanna-Barbera. I think MGM. Too. Well, Hanna-Barbera wasn't around okay. yet. They came around the 50s, 60s, I think. Okay, I'm trying to remember. What is the umbrella that, like, Tom and Jerry and all of them? Followed? MGM. MG, okay. That's, I, I don't okay. think they could get MG, certain MGM cartoons. Okay. That was the problem. Because I know Warner Brothers, they were like, you can, but then they had the 40 stipulation, they were like, you have to have the same screen time yep. as the Disney characters. And they had to why. be the AT, like, they're A guys. Yeah. It had to be Porky, uh, Bugs, Daffy, and I think that was... 
think that was all the Warner Brothers that they did. I oh, and and um, Yosemite yeah, Sam because they used is, him is, twice. Is Droopy Warner Brothers? Droopy's MGM also, okay. which is interesting, but yeah. he might have been owned by somebody else. Okay, yeah. it's probably just a rights thing. Rights yeah, things. so um, they're all just like, "Who do you think he was?" and what is this? And, and, and you know who it actually could have been? Not Homer Simpson. Um, uh, Monty Burns. <laughs> Just proto Monty Burns. Yes, of course. I would believe that. One of <laughs> oh wait, that's ancestors. Stewie. <laughs> that was Stewie. Excellent. It wasn't. It's Stewie and Monty voice. Burns don't sound that different. <laughs> <laughs> they both sound kind of like Rex Harrison. Yeah, they're just essentially both going for a Rex Harrison vibe. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we could spark up a doobie and watch porn later, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite Family Guy one. I haven't watched it in years. So, uh, I wasn't allowed to watch Family Guy. And the older I got, the more I understood why. I was like, oh, thanks, no. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> eh, hello. It, it's okay. It, does, it doesn't always hold up that well. But um, so all the tunes are speculating who this is. And they're like, I don't know. It's a mystery. It kind of a it could have been a weird sequel setup. You never know. Like, oh. could, I'm just wondering if, like, maybe the suit. What or... if it was Monty Burns, and then it comes back, and it's the revenge of um of of what's his name Smithers oh Smithers. Smithers revenge Smithers, Smithers revenge. I owe you a coke. <laughs> and um, they they um, Benny shows up with the cops, and they the cops he goes here's the rope from Marvin Acme's murder. Test the paint. I guarantee it's this guy, and it, the guy on the floor. Which if you can find the paint, good luck. It's all melted. <laughs> And yeah, like goo. You, do you want to go through that like poisonous goo? Yeah. So then the Reverse lo- engineer paint thinner. Um, Roger had written Jessica a love letter earlier in the movie, and he keeps talking. It's a terrible poem written. Is in- it a poem? <laughs> well, it's Two just points. him going, "This Jessica, Does how it- do I love thee? Let me count the ways: one, one thousand, two, one thousand, and that's." Pretty much it. <laughs> on, the way he's bouncing around, like that honestly would have gone to her. Like, oh my yeah, god! Honey, like bouncing around the room. He's me, getting patty cake that night. Me. He's getting <laughs> patty cake. He might be getting cat's cradle at some point. Oh my god! <laughs> so, <She> said, <laughs> what does that mean? Cat's cradle. No, carrot, carrot cake at the, at the last oh, line. Oh, the last line. She just goes, here, let's go home. I'll make a carrot make cake. Carrot cake. Like, Honestly, I would react <laughs> like that thing. if somebody told me they were making me a carrot cake. And I, I love carrot cake. And Jessica pulls the move from um, uh, that, what's his name? Ryan Gosling pulls in uh, Crazy Stupid Love because she's kissing him. And she goes, let's go home, make you a carrot cake. And when... When he's holding her up doing the dirty dancing thing and just kind of rubs her down at the oh. bottom. He does she does that to Roger and he just like he looks at the camera and goes, <laughs> it's She just kind of slides him between her boobs. It, I love it. It's it's like you don't know what this is. It's I mean, it's PG thirteen, if I remember right, this movie, isn't it? Yeah, for the eighties. I think it's just PG. Was this did this did PG thirteen exist when this no, came it, out? Oh yeah, it's PG. No, PG PG thirteen came out after Indian Jones, Temple of Doom, Gremlins, and Red Dawn caused them caused <laughs> they those saw movies. Temple of Doom, and they're like, we we need to. No, they did. That was literally what happened. They, they were like, like we need to. Uh, we uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with this per se, but we don't want to make pe- people think it's okay for kids to watch. Well, they it. took me to Gremlins when I was, I think I was seven or I've still six. Still never six seen seven. Gremlins, Adam. My, it's now my favorite movie, but when I was a kid, that movie scared the life out of me. I didn't. See, I wonder if I'd seen it as a kid if it would scare me. It. I mean, Tarzan scared I didn't me know when what, I was a kid. I didn't know I, what I was in for, they, and I didn't like horror films. And this was borderline horror film. You know, it, it does get. Yeah, there are some pretty. There's. I mean, they 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 throw an old lady out a window. <laughs> it's rough business. But uh, all right, let's finish this up. 
So they, uh, Joanna Cassidy shows up, uh, Dolores, and everybody's holding hands. And they, they go, wait, Roger, you didn't read your poem to your wife. And he goes, why don't you read it now? And he's like, dear Jessica, I'm of an acme of sound mind and body. It's the will. He used disappearing, reappearing ink on the damn will. He was a joker to, was, to the to day the he died. Clever. Genius. And carried his will on his person. Apparently, I guess he gave at it all time. And then he gave, well, he was giving it to Jessica. Oh, okay. And that's where Roger found it. She goes, yeah, he gave me this thing to hold. There was nothing on it. I didn't understand it. And Roger goes, I found a nice clean piece of paper and I used her lipstick to write the note. And that. It was, and so he just, they is were it, carrying the damn will the whole time. Has it ever explained why he wanted Jessica to have? Just to keep it safe, keep, I think. Okay, I mean, clearly like he, he trusted knew. Jessica. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Maybe he like had a sneaking suspicion like something's. Oh, no. He, and he and he was giving it to the tunes. Yeah. So she would have found out, said, this is ours. Yeah. And, and he, she's probably, honestly, one of the smartest tunes out there, <laughs> yeah. just based on everything I've seen. With the tunes? Well, she, she, she said, she goes, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. People assume because I look this way, I have to be a bad person. She goes, no. It's, and that it's an important line it when is. you really think about it. Because she could have easily been the femme fatale. Mm-hmm. And she's not. She's actually a really loyal wife who was just trying to, like, save her literal city. Oh, she is the only, she is the sanest character her, the, I like that they Unless made the Roger's women. around, <laughs> the two women, her and Dolores, are the sanest, sanest characters. Oh yeah, they really are. They're they're all, they're really awesome. Um, so they all walk into Toontown, and you know they play that da- smile, darn you smile. I never knew they were saying darn you smile. It's <laughs> smile, darn you smile. And they're walking in, and Porky Pig and a bunch of, and I think Pete. From the old Goofy cartoon, uh, the old um, Steamboat Willie, and another. I remember Pete. They're they're all. He's also in Goof Troop. <laughs> he eventually evolves into the character from Goof Troop, right? He's Goofy's neighbor, yeah, because yeah. he has his son that Max is friends with. Yeah, he's just a bigger version of Goofy. <laughs> he's Goofy on steroids, and uh, so they they're all walking in, and these th- they're all dressed as cops, pushing the crowd like, all right, nothing more to see here, and then. He goes, that's all, folks. And Porky Pig turns around and goes, I like that. I like that. That's pretty good. That's all, folks. And all of a sudden, Tinkerbell comes in, hits him on the nose, and that they do a Warner Brothers and a Disney ending at the same time. And that, I believe, was in the contract. They, it was. They were like, we want, we both have to end it the same way. Like, bring in your two, your two like, enders. And I was like, that's perfect. That was yeah, absolutely brilliant. It was that, and it was Warner Brothers had uh, they were like you can use our characters only if they get the exact same amount of screen time yeah. which is why they drew like donald with daffy mm-hmm. mickey with bugs so it's like okay to make sure there's like now we don't have to time there's no question yeah. you can see they're literally on screen at the same time and i forget who like they had chuck jones animate uh daffy because mm-hmm. he he was he was a consultant he worked for warner brothers and they had uh whoever did donald duck doing uh, from disney doing his animation yeah, because it was a, it was Donald. It was dead on. Because I mean, if you had the same animator, it would look. You're, yeah, it's not going to match. I don't think it would match up. They as would well. move the same way, which would yeah. be weird. Yeah, for its own reason. Able to if it was the same animator, you'd be yeah. able to tell, and it would it would throw it off. Like you need that yeah. difference. All right, so we're gonna rate this thing. <laughs> I am giving this movie an eleven. This is on my letterbox top four of all time. We already watched the thing, which is also up there. Um, I, I love this movie top to bottom. This movie designed my childhood for me into my high school years. 
It made me love film. It made me love animation more. It it really introduced me to a world that was like this was the last time I really felt magic mm-hmm. as a little kid. Like I was older when like Aladdin and things came out, and those yeah. were magical to me. They really were. I mean, maybe not the last time, but maybe the first time it was truly impactful. That like there is something magical about movies and animation. And this movie was just the perfect blend of it. It's brilliantly written. It it pays off everything it throws at you. You don't even care about minor plot holes, which are just rules of the world that could easily be explained away. Yeah, no, they're just kind of fun. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) This movie is is one of my goats when it comes to movies. 11 all the way. Mel, what do you, what do you think? Oh, episode? this is okay. So like before I had an appreciation for how film was made, I would have given this an eight cause it's like fun to watch, but like, I'm not really into the plot, but because I have an appreciation of how hard this had to be for making, how f- to be to make and how fun it had to be for the actors and the directors and everybody. And like the performances of everybody in it, how good they are. Yeah. This is a nine for me. Like it's a really, really just a great film. I'm so glad you like this. I was, I, I, I knew you would, but it, it like makes me so happy that you finally got to know what all the hype was about. And I'm sure one. I'm sure I'd be ranking it like even higher if it was the cartoons I grew up with. I think that's the one thing I was missing is that like a lot of the cartoons they were referencing they were ones that like I've seen around, yeah. but they weren't like my cartoons. Yeah. You know, no, so I'm, like yeah, no. I wish that they. I, there's no way to make this now just because it, it's no longer a novel idea, which yeah. I think was part of the magic of it. Yeah, I mean they tried it with Chip and Dale. I haven't seen. I it. haven't seen. I'm it not going to poo poo it yet. Maybe it'll be magical. I just don't like that they use computers to make the cell animation look i know there's there's cg it looks chip i mean uh dale looks really weird that just makes me sad because because they cut their animation department yeah and it's it's not their fault they they had to budget you know because i mean you're getting a lot of properties in that movie yeah but it's it's sort of the fact that they made it it, mm, it's hard because it's like as a company i'm mad at disney for doing that still And I think that if they were going to make this movie, they should have done it as a celebration of bringing the animation department back or something. I always wanted a prequel where it was the tunes at World War II. What? And ha- they help with the war effort. Like all, like the making of like, like all the, the propaganda Like the Donald Duck films. Cartoon, cartoon? Like, but, because you remember they used to always have like those Nazi vultures and like weird stuff. Like yeah. the Nazis have their own cartoon character, like evil cartoon characters. And like they're using like anvils and stuff on the battlefield. Like... I think you could do something kind like tunes in the wall effort. Like they're doing a USO show and they get caught up in a battle. I feel like a lot of people would find that very disrespectful. <laughs> do you think? Maybe. I don't know. I think they were think I I don't think that was my idea. I want to say someone had pitched that once. Because they were gonna do a sequel to this. It didn't get made. Because I remember they wanted to do a sequel and I think that was what they were going to go with. Was something along like a war type thing. I just if you're gonna involve the Nazis as characters. Well you don't really have to. You could just make them look like it. Just don't put the symbols on them. You know like. Or make World War II silly in any way. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like you do it like they were doing a USO show and they just happened to get caught up in an adventure. And they end up like saving like like take, okay, okay, I can see what you're saying. That, that's what, what I mean. Yeah. Like, I think that would kind of be a cool idea. I don't know if it would. I mean, mind you, this idea I've had in my head for years. So <laughs> no, times it makes have sense. changed. <laughs> I, I forgot that that was a thing that happened, or that like yeah. you could like. But you'd have to do it earlier because this is 47, so it would have to be a prequel. Yeah, 
But um, so Sam, what do you what what's your rating from one to eleven on this film? Uh, zillion Smolians. Yes, <laughs> I fucking just love this movie. Just when I first saw it, just something clicked. <laughs> yeah, I think a large part because I love the world building and every gag. There's no stone left unturned. There's mm-hmm. no gag in this movie where I'm like, oh, like, missed opportunity here. I would have done this. Like, they do all of it and yep. then some. And it's just like everything. They hit all the notes. Yep. The plot is pretty deep. Like, it's not the most robust plot in the world, but, like, it gets the movie going. And there's enough sight gags that it, like, really pads out the runtime in a way that doesn't feel like it's dragging along. No, I mean, it's an hour and 40, 44 minutes. minutes? Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's, like, a little over, like, a classic like hour and a half kids movie but like i but it, think a perfect length like it's it pays off every yeah, it beat pays off every single beat yeah i mean you couldn't take much out of this and have it make sense again no like because there's there's literally clues throughout the whole movie and like just like you said the sight gags are great like there's one where jessica and um eddie they hit like a truck and the and it's like a bunch of bowling balls and like like used like old things you've seen a hundred times in cartoons, and it just says overused props. Yeah, that's that's what when he crashes in Toontown, that's what he crashes yeah. into. It's just it's, the overused props pile that I guess is just like that sounds like trash hilarious. heap. <laughs> it's great. It's like the Springfield fire tires, just like this random shit they have in like the middle of town. <laughs> so that was Who Framed Roger Rabbit it for was. my birthday. Happy Yay. birthday! <laughs> Not quite. And to you. Oh. It's go. This is coming out a couple days after my birthday. It's coming on the fifteenth. My birthday's the twelfth. We couldn't time it out. It would have been a Sunday. But uh, yeah. So next week on the show, it is Mel's turn to pick for me. What did you pick, Mel? Yes. Um, we're gonna because Sam will still be here because we filmed these two at a time. Um, <laughs> I am going to choose another one that she knows a lot about and that we both love and that I think everybody our age loves. And it is the Emperor's New Groove, which Ooh. I was shocked and overjoyed to hear that you had never seen. It's just one of those movies that slipped past me. I knew it existed. I remember it had a spin-off cartoon. Yes. Uh, Kronk. Yeah. The Emperor's Kronk? New School and then Kronk had, Kronk's New Groove was like a sequel. Yeah, and I think I've seen more of that than the movie. Huh. I think I saw it. The only part of the movie I saw was on the commercials. Oh, the original's amazing. When my family first got Netflix when I was like a senior or junior in high school... We were all kind of like, okay, what do we watch first? And we opened it up, and the Emperor's New Groove was there, and that was an instant yes. Everybody <laughs> in my family agreed. We can all quote this movie. Everybody quotes different lines, right. but we all quoted at each other nonstop. Awesome. All right, so next week on the show, it is Mel's turn, and we're going to watch The Emperor's New Groove. Right. <laughs> so thank you for coming on, Sam, by the way. It was awesome having you. Awesome to be here. We've been talking about this forever doing this, doing this episode. <laughs> like, me and you. So long I'm like, we we're going to work it out. You're getting on the episode. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> Had to drag you to Queens. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So next time on the show, Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove. All right. So until next time, I have been Adam Mock. I've been Melanie Weir. And I've been Sam. And we just made you watch. A podcast. See you next time, folks. Bye.